Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the podcast where we explore what redefining relationships looks like through a sex-positive lens. Let's kick shame and guilt to the curb and really start living a sexy, authentic life. I'm passionate about normalizing out-of-the-box ways of designing relationships. There's nothing quite like finding your tribe and experiencing the freedom of being completely yourself without judgment. I'm your host, Kareen Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. Good morning and welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the sex-positive relationship podcast. This is episode 38 and today my guest is Paige Bond. Paige Bond is the host of the Stubborn Love podcast. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and the creator of the Jealousy to Joy journey. Her mission is to help people-pleasing millennials navigate non-monogamy so they can tame their jealousy and love with ease. Her own journey from feeling lonely, insecure, and jealous to feeling empowered and reassured through her Jealousy to Joy journey is what fuels her passion to help other people-pleasers to conquer jealousy and embrace love. I'm so happy to have Paige on the podcast today. I was a guest on her podcast, and that episode should come out soon. So that's really exciting. I think actually our episodes are going to come out fairly close to at the same time. So we'll keep you posted about that to make sure you can hear both podcasts. But I love that she helps people pleasing millennials. You know, the title is People Pleasing and Non Monogamy. And it's because there's a lot of times where being a people pleaser holds us back from our authenticity. It holds us back from being able to stand up for ourselves and find out what it is that we actually need. Sometimes we will make choices that aren't as good for us just to please our partner. And sometimes they're unaware of that. So we talk about attachment styles today in this podcast. And I'm so excited because I wanted to talk about that for a long time. So we talk about the anxious attachment style and the dismissive avoidant attachment style. And we talk a a little bit about the disorganized style. But most people fall in one of those styles as our coping mechanisms, our way that we have handled the trauma in our lives. And when I say the trauma, it's like, just our childhood attachment needs and how they were met. And sometimes those weren't met and it leads to either being more dismissive or more anxious in our attachment. So we will talk about that. We'll expound on it, but stay tuned for that because I really am excited about that conversation. And then we're going to talk about non-monogamy and just the implications that that has within there and how to navigate relationships and to lose shame around those things. So I'm very excited for this conversation. Paige is absolutely lovely. I can't wait to have more conversations with her, but I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed this conversation. So when we get back, we'll get right into it. Do I have an exciting opportunity for all of you? 
Those of you who live near Toronto, this might be just the experience you've been waiting for. Have you considered trying the lifestyle, going to a sex club or experiencing that kind of thing, but are nervous and don't know where to start? Well, I have something exciting for you. My Empowered Lifestyle Newcomers VIP experience is back, and I would love for you to come and sign up. The link to sign up for this experience will be in the show notes. You can also find it in my bio on Instagram if you uh, are on my Instagram, if you follow me there. But you must sign up on this website in order to get your tickets. But it's a night of exploration and fun. It's a chance to dip your toes into a new world that offers unlimited possibilities. Sometimes they can be really scary with so many unknowns, but this is why I've created this Empowered Lifestyle Newcomers VIP experience. And it's so important to have a place where you can do this safely. So you might be thinking, what do I wear? Will I know anyone? What happens at these clubs? I'm so nervous. Well, don't worry. All these questions will be answered. This night is about having fun and making amazing new connections, all while feeling very safe and grounded. You don't have to sit by yourself and wonder, who you should talk to or what the etiquette is in these situations because we'll cover all of that and you won't feel alone in this process. In fact, you will leave having made so many new connections and friendships that you'll wonder why it took you so long to try it out. Are you a single man but don't want to be that guy whenever you go to the club? Well, this night will also enlighten you and help make connections that will shift how you are perceived and how you interact. So this is for couples, for single women, for single gentlemen, all of the above are welcome. So check out the link. I will be there to hold your hand the whole time and talk with you. We have a special VIP section to sit in. We've got bottle service. We have some icebreakers. We get to party at the club and just have a great time. So go to the link and find out what this is all about. I'd love to have you join me. On April 21st at the X Club in Toronto. I hope to see you there. Please visit our website at www.breakingfreeauthentically.com and subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Be sure to leave a review on Podchaser by clicking the link at the top of the page. That would mean the world to me. Finally, I'd love for you to join Breaking Free Authentically our private sex-positive relationship community on Facebook. All the links will be posted in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Well, good morning. Breaking Free Authentically is back. And today we have Paige Bond. She is a marriage therapist, couples therapist, and I'm going to let you tell I'm going to let you tell everyone, Paige, what it is that you do specifically, because I love your tagline and there's no way I can remember how to say it right, but it's so good. And I put out a call for people to to be um, to guest on my podcast and you responded to that call and you said you were so excited. So this is so, so exciting for me because um, I think we're going to get to talk about some things that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. So, yay, this is exciting. So tell us a little bit more about what you do and um, what got you excited to talk to me. Yes. Um, So I'll say my very elaborative tagline. (laughs) 
Um, so I help people pleasing millennials navigate non-monogamy so they can tame their jealousy and love with ease. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And I think um it, it really packs a punch um and hits like all the targets, right? Because I think this is a very common theme with a lot of people um starting to get open to the idea of non-monogamy. There's um, quite a few different dynamics that come along with it. Sometimes you'll get people who are all on board, super excited, let's do this. And then the people that I see most often are you get one partner who's super on board. I can't wait to start exploring non-monogamy. And then the other person who's like, all right, sweetie, I love you. I guess we'll do that. And and I and I want to, and I'll, I'll do my best to you know manage my jealousy. But oh crap, now we're doing it. It's really scary. And so this is where I come in to help. (laughs) And I love that you say people pleasers because often the people pleasers are going to say yes to it, even though they're scared to death Mm -hmm. of what that means. And they're trying not to be, quote unquote, too much or trying to be agreeable and trying to be that that partner who is willing to go out there and and please their partner and do the things that would make them happy. And sometimes they forget about themselves and forget to really take a look inward and find out what it is that they want. And mm-hmm. in my program, like I say, it's breaking free from monogamy, but more importantly, it's just breaking free from the mono mindset that would keep you people pleasing. <laughs> it would keep you from actually looking inward and going, well, what is it that I actually want? Because I've been told my whole life what I want and how I want it and when I want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found so interesting about your um, kind of way of navigating how you help people yourself is like, wow, yeah, she's got it right. She really dives in and helps people identify first, wait a second, what are my true needs? What do I truly want while exploring this new sexual side of myself that I haven't before? And I love that you kind of start there with that. So Mm -hmm. important. Thank you. Yeah. I just, I wish I would have been able to have more of that growing up. But again, when I, when I started listening to Playboy, like I was telling you earlier, I discovered this whole new side and I was like, oh, these are my people. And then I was like, why are they my people? And what is it that I've shut off in myself that I'm so drawn to these people? And number one, it was their authenticity, which is why I'm so big on authenticity, uh, breaking free authentically. And the reason I say breaking free authentically is because you can break free and be a shithead. You can break free and be like, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do me and I'm going to do my thing. And I am not that person. I don't like that. I don't like that, that trend going around where it's like, talk to the hand because I'm no longer doing it because relationships are so important to me. And there does need to be some sort of like negotiation and renegotiation and a bit of sacrifice sometimes. But if it's all sacrifice, we have a problem. Mm -hmm. If you never get to express your needs and desires or even think about them because you're just so concerned that someone else is going to be happy or you're you're 
the only way that you feel love, and I've heard this a lot, I just want them to be happy. I just want them to, you know, to do it. If they're happy, I'm happy. And I'm like, no, that's not actually true. There's a toxic phrase, happy wife, happy life. I cannot stand that because no, no, wait, where are you in that? Exactly. Exactly. And, and it is true. Like a lot of women are like, oh, men are shit, blah, blah, blah. But man, the poor men, I have such a heart for men because my, my friends were always guys growing up. Like I love, I love my guy friends. I love my guys because I feel like I see them on a different level and I see their hearts and I don't know if they just open up to me in a different way because they feel safe maybe. But I see like, I see the vulnerable side of men a lot. And I feel like they don't have a chance to be vulnerable and they're expected to be so many things. And then this whole like feminist movement of, of women being so independent and not needing anything has turned into men just not knowing how to be anymore and where they fit, you know? So they're either super toxic or they're just like, they shrink and they become complete people pleasers and don't even Mm. know who they are. Mm. So there's a real balance there. And so for me, breaking free authentically means you're being authentic about who you are, but also who you're with and what that looks like and how that affects other people. It's not just, oh, I want this and so I'm going to get it. It might be that you need to leave a relationship that isn't healthy for you. It might be that, and that might be the most authentic thing to do. But you're going to do that in a loving way rather than just, and you're going to own your own shit rather than just being like, they're this and they're that and they're this and they're that, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's my little soapbox for the day. I'm going to get off now. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's so, it's so important to me. You were talking about like people pleasers. And then Mm -hmm. before we were talking and you're like, you know, anxious attachment or anxiously attached people. And I was like, let's talk about attachment styles a little bit, because first of all, I love talking about attachment style. And I don't think I've talked about it really at all on this podcast. And it is so important. It's, it's part of some of my training. Um, I just think if you can sort of figure out what your attachment style is like and and where it came from, you can really start to heal. It's not an excuse. Mm-mm. It's not an excuse. We all Mm-mm. can move towards a more secure attachment. And so that's why for me, an empowered relationship is about connection, safety, and novelty. And mm-hmm. if you don't have those three things, you're going to be stuck letting you know, your triggers control you and your past traumas. And, you know, that's just going to be running the show, which is not necessarily authentic. You have every right to do that. That's fine. But if you want to be in partnership with someone else and you want to grow and you want to live the most authentic, loving relationship that you can have, you need to learn, you know, how to create security and safety. And that starts often with like learning why you don't feel secure and what makes you not feel secure. Mm -hmm. That's actually the first part of my process and what I've created and packaged for people in my jealousy to joy journey is we look at attachment styles. Um, And should I just go into kind of a brief overview since? Yeah. 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 So attachment styles are really like born out of this theory 
of how we were treated growing up in our family uh, by caregivers, siblings, um, other figures who took on um, this role. And so there's really three main attachment styles that we um, can lean towards. So we have secure attachment. This is where, you know, it feels like the child's needs are getting met. This is where we feel like we're in a safe environment. We're able to share emotions um, and it, it can be a really reciprocal relationship where it can be vulnerable and that is okay. Um, and then we have a, a couple of other different styles um, that are the other main ones. So we have uh, anxious atta- attachment and avoidant attachment. So I'll go to avoidant first because I know we'll spend quite a bit more time on anxious attachment. Um, So avoidant attachment can really be from like having these uh, times when we didn't feel like we could depend on the caregivers at all. They weren't around. Um, Oftentimes uh, needs were dismissed, emotions were dismissed. Um, It wasn't okay to really have a say in anything. Um, oftentimes whenever maybe like a a child was upset growing up, they would just sit alone in their feelings. No one would come to check on them. And so that's really how they, they learned how to be in other relationships too. And so like really attachment theory has this, um, whole basis that the love we experienced in childhood is the love that we experienced growing up and what we're looking for growing up because we look for what's familiar and so we end up in these relationships where maybe one of us was, um, you know, feeling insecure in our family growing up. We kind of gravitate towards a partner who makes us feel that same way we felt in childhood because that is the familiar love to us. And so um, oftentimes uh, that becomes a problem because there's no security in the relationship when when that happens. Um And so for anxious attachment, um, this is where it kind of goes back and forth between the two. Um, It goes back and forth between like, okay, I can depend on you sometimes, but not always. Sometimes my uh, parent will come in when I'm crying as a baby and come comfort me and cuddle me. And then wait a second, I'm crying again and no one's here. No one's listening. No one's coming to comfort me. And so this creates this really anxious um, feeling when you're smaller to be able to like kind of question, wait, is someone going to come? Wait, am I going to be abandoned again? And so we we often as an anxious attachment style cling to relationships and um, because we're afraid that we have no idea when they'll come back again. So we're like latching on to each other and um, we have this deep rooted fear that we're just going to be left. And so in adulthood, the way that looks like is Um, We'll be in a relationship and this can often go hand in hand with people pleasing and we'll do anything we can to make sure that person doesn't leave us. Mm -hmm. Even if it goes against our own needs, our own desires, we often don't know our own needs or desires because we're so enmeshed with the other person, making sure that they don't leave us. And so that um, is uh, really an insecure way to navigate relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, do you talk much about that? The other one, uh, I'm trying to think what's called again. avoidant. No, there's avoidant and anxious, but then there's um, like preoccupied. Um, 
the ambivalent kind yeah. of like that combination of yeah, the yeah, two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that one, that one shows up um, as well. Um, that's not something that I go over in my, in my work together with clients um, so often because they're usually in one of those yeah. other two categories. Yeah. But yeah, there is that other one where it's a combination of both. And so it kind of gets confusing for the partner on the receiving end of that. They're like, wait a second, you're so afraid of um, being abandoned and you don't want me to leave you, but here you are sitting alone in your room and you're distancing yourself from me. I'm very confused why you're mm-hmm. acting that way. So it's so confusing for, yeah. for both people in the relationship, really. You want me around, but you don't want to spend time with me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm Which- actually um, reading a book right now and it was so funny. There is this exact quote that I had felt in my last relationship um, that that didn't really have that kind of safety for me. And it goes, um, so I want you in the house, just not my room. And unless I ask you. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sits. That sits really. Uh, yeah, I've I felt that a lot, actually. But but. I think my my ex was very much the dis- dismissive avoidant, right? And and all yeah. the things you describe in childhood, there was like five boys, you know, and um, you know, uh, they kind of just had to figure figure their stuff out. And mm-hmm. I think it's sometimes tougher for boys. I think you know that that stereotype of like, well, boys don't cry and they don't have emotions and things like that. And so I think mm-hmm. they're almost trained into dismissive avoidant or just, yeah. Dismiss- yeah, dismissive. Oh my gosh, I can't speak. Dismissive avoidant, um, just culturally, the cultural programming, right? And then mm-hmm. often women tend to be more anxious avoidant unless they've had like that you should be able to survive on your own and you don't need anyone to take care of you and you've got everything, you know. Yeah. It's a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And though and it's interesting because a lot of people who are anxious avoidant or yeah, anxiously attached, they often are drawn to dismissive avoidant people. Yes. Oh yeah. Because, and and this is a lot of the things I had been thinking about before, and it's like, if as an anxiously attached person, so your validation comes from someone showing you love, like that's reinforcing the fact that you're loved. Well, if you are attracted to someone who is sort of distant and doesn't open up and all of a sudden you get them to open up or they they crack, you know, like you can crack through their shell. Mm-hmm. That means way more than someone just easily loving you. Yes. So, I got them to do it. I matter right? so much that I did this. I, quote, fixed them. Yeah. And so it's almost like we seek out the impossible relationship in order to prove our validity or that we're more worthy than others Mm -hmm. because we're so desperate for that validation. And I often say, if I could say anything to my 19-year-old self, it would be that a relationship, when you're with the right person, there's this easy reciprocation of energy, you know, this easy, 
you just feel calm in your body and you're not desperately trying to get someone to open up. It's not like pulling teeth. It just happens. And it's so weird feeling to be like, oh, someone just wants to be with me. just wants to spend time with me Mm -hmm. just because the messages that we've had are basically self-fulfilling prophecies, the fear of people leaving us that we get clingy or we want too much from them. We feel needy and then they feel suffocated and then they retreat. So yeah, we just, we want someone to need us so badly mm-hmm. that we will go to the toughest person to crack in in the hopes that if they crack, then it's because they really need you because you're the only one who can do that. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Very self-validating rather than already knowing your, your self-worth and in yourself and experiencing that, well, you can be loved even without all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, since we are, you know, people, we are wired for connection and we desperately seek connection. And so part of that process, even though it may not be a secure connection, any connection is good for us, even yeah. if it's not the attention we wanted in, even if it's, quote, maybe n- not enough, but they're breadcrumbs enough to keep us satisfied in, in whatever dynamic we're in. Mm-hmm. And it, it really works in the dismissive avoidance favor because they can throw breadcrumbs when they want and they, they know that we're so desperate to connect that that will pretty much do anything mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. we'll do anything to stay in their sphere and feel important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so yeah. it's easy to and have I'm, toxic relationships that way when you don't oh. even realize it because you're like, I'm doing all the things and I'm sacrificing and I'm being a submissive wife and I'm, you know. Yeah. yeah. 100%, right? The the anxious person thinks, gosh, I'm doing all the stuff that's right. And then the person who's more avoidant, they're like, gosh, I'm giving them all this stuff. Of course, like they, they should be satisfied or whatever. And and I don't want to like um you know just only harp on the the bad things about these types of insecure attachment styles because there are um some strengths you know I'm mm. kind of looking at my notes from this book um you know for someone who leans more avoidant wow they have a lot of skills to be independent mm-hmm. and reliant on themselves that is something that's you know very sought after um when growing up and leaving the home you know they can take good care of themselves mm-hmm. and are super productive and um really don't need a lot of maintenance like they're really low maintenance people don't need a lot pretty laid back mm-hmm. simple things are good enough so like that's a lot of good mm-hmm. there um there's just that struggle of not having that emotional connection and awareness to be able to like notice, oh, this is how my actions are affecting my partner. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then for the the people who are leaning more anxious, like it is such a beautiful strength to have someone be so generous and wanting to help all the time. And um you know, really being happy around people and feeling connected and fulfilled, being, you know, involved in social circles. Um, and and they can often see like a little bit more outside of the perspective of just their own compared to people who are more of that avoidant type, um, just because they are the helpers most of the time. So there are some good from those 
insecure attachment styles. Um, however, the uh, things that weigh them down just uh, really are hard in being able to say like, do you really want to stay here? Or like, what if you could have all of the good from that plus more good? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and let's just talk about how that looks like when, okay, so already let's look at an anxious attachment style and and avoidant like within just a monogamous marriage, say. Mm-hmm. What might that look like? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny because um, jealousy is not only coming up in non-monogamy. Jealousy comes up a lot in even monogamous relationships, and and that can show up too. And it doesn't necessarily have to be jealous of people. It can be whatever that third in the relationship is. It could Mm be um, maybe the person who's avoidant is really engaged in their hobby or really going out with friends a lot um, or, you know, just watching the game all the time and not giving that attention to um, the person who's more anxious. Mm-hmm. And so the anxious person will kind of push down their needs and say like, all right, so this is what they want. So let me try to be satisfied with how much attention they're giving me. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to a head and they realize, oh, my God, I am so desperate for this attention. I'm desperate mm-hmm. for connecting with this partner. And um, when it gets to that level of desperation, oftentimes it's not communicated in a gentle way of, hey, honey, I'm, you know, just feeling so lost without your attention. And I really want to spend some quality time together. It doesn't usually come out that way. It comes out in these big, um, chaotic uh, conflicts that get out of hand. Um, Brene Brown has a a phrase that um, she's coined called chandeliering. And it's where someone kind of explodes on you in this way that seems like it's out of nowhere. And in fact, it's really a culmination of all these little things that have brought up um, these upset things. And so the intensity of their reaction is is valid for what's going on inside them. However, the way that it's communicated is like, whoa, (laughs) that's like, (laughs) that's Mount Vesuvius erupting right now. (laughs) And so that will happen. So the anxious person will often, you know, be the the person bringing up the conflict. And as an avoidant, they naturally love to avoid conflict because they're like simple, low maintenance, Mm-hmm. Hey, honey, life's good. What do you mean? What's going on? I thought I gave you everything you wanted. So they'll often pull away whenever um, something, an upset is brought up by the anxious person. And they go back and forth in that cycle um, until silence happens. And then usually they avoid the fight. Um, and then it'll come up again and again. And then they eventually find help with you or me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or they'll say, you know, like, why? why is it every time we talk? you always bring up things and it's like, cause you're never bringing them up. And like, we have to talk about them sometime. And when we finally have a moment together is when we can do that. And so it's really easy to forget about building connection and safety when you've got all these things you want to work through. And mm-hmm. as an anxious person, what I realized is I was very codependent on my dismissive avoidant to fill Mm -hmm. my needs. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I would have been like, oh, if I need more time, I get to just ask for more time. 
And that's okay. That's not being needy. And I can go do things for me and I can actually figure out what it is that I want. And so my worth and my happiness is not in their ability to, to meet my needs. And that's really hard to communicate when you are so like, well, I just need to be content. I need to make myself small and I need to just, you know, make their life comfortable. Cause if Mm. I do, then they'll want to spend time with me and, you know, all these things. And, and then you realize, uh, where am I? And, and, and then you just blow up and then you're just too emotional. And then you just are the one who's always overreacting. And why can't you ever be satisfied with anything? And why does this always have to be such a big deal? And it's really hard to communicate that because the other person now feels threatened by the the fact that Mm. you're bringing this up again. And then they're feeling like they're no good. They're mm-hmm. unable to meet your needs and they're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, they're no good at relationships and they're never going to be able to please you because there's always something more that you want from them. Yeah. Yeah. I like, as you were talking, it, it brought up the reminder of basically how the, the two styles are so against each other in their line of thinking where the avoidant person is like, Nah, the past the past let's just like stay in the present (laughs) let's move on from that like you know what let's rehashing that would all be pointless what what, why get into all of that why bring up emotions usually um Mm -hmm. they're not a fan of talking about emotions and but for the person who's more anxious they can't move on Mm -hmm. unless the current conflict at hand is resolved and if it's not talked about, they they just build that resentment. Mm-hmm. So they're working in these styles are working in opposition of each other. Mm-hmm. It just does not work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really, really tough. So and that's just like a monogamous relationship, right? So yeah. imagine no wonder people are like, I'm not going to have a non-monogamous relationship. Like I, I can't even have a monogamous one that's healthy. And so what I propose, which is why I have this program, is let's figure out what the programming is that tells us that we need the dismissive to do this and that. And we need, you know, the anxious person to give up who they are and sacrifice and do all the things, where do we get that programming? Well, look yeah. at any fairy tale movie, you know, like the the princess lays down her life for this prince, right? Like she gives up her identity for this prince to come save her and swoop her off her feet and live happily ever after. This is what we have seen as girls, you know, mm-hmm. and then we've been told, you know, especially as Christian girls, um, that your sexuality doesn't belong to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It belongs to your future husband. And so you have to make a good choice about that because Mm -hmm. you should remain pure and only be with one person for life in strict, you know, fundamentalist Christian circles, Um, that purity movement. And then so people will stay together in an unhealthy relationship because number one, they got together so that they wouldn't sin and have sex before Mm -hmm. they're married Two. If you have sex with one person, now you're bound to them. And so you can't separate. You can't that now you're in this for life. So this idea that this happily ever after 
removes the ability to actually make conscious choices. And, and so effectively we are actually killing or destroying happily ever after or the, the ability with what we've been taught about marriage. And so Mm -hmm. I have a thought piece that said, um, everything you know about marriage can destroy happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And it's so true because you know, like all these expectations that I had on my husband were pretty unrealistic. Mm -hmm. But if I was loved, he would be doing this because I was taught that, you know, that he would, you know, do all these things or listen to me or or meet my needs or like be able to read my emotions and blah, blah, blah. Because you're taught again, this fairy tale Mm-hmm. I had never learned about attachment styles. I didn't think, oh, he has not learned to express his emotions or be vulnerable. That was not safe for him. That didn't come into my, you know, and I had studied relationships. Like this was something I wanted to get right, like more than most people. It mm-hmm. was something I had consciously chosen like I chose someone who was so different than me Mm -hmm. because I was told that I shouldn't marry someone that was you know like my father for instance which which now my boyfriend is very much like my dad (laughs) it's funny Mm -hmm. um and so you see like the issues on both sides of things it's not it's not smooth sailing with too too anxiously attached people either right like that's not that's not it's being aware of what is the programming that we are expecting from someone and what do do, what do we make that mean about us if that doesn't happen yeah yeah Uh, we make ourselves feel like we're a failure or the relationship's a failure whatever when it doesn't meet this expectation that we actually never see. We never see the expectation played mm-hmm. out that we think is going to happen. It's yeah. just, there's no, there's hardly any examples of this, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And yeah. to me, what I discovered is the the best examples of these kinds of relationships I actually found in the non-monogamy world. And I was like, what? How <laughs> is that possible? And it's because... Those who are successfully non-monogamous were implementing a completely different mindset when they came to relationships. Mm-hmm. And if I would have had those same mindsets coming into my relationship as a monogamous person, I would have had a very successful monogamous relationship. Yeah. So I'm not saying monogamy is or non-monogamy is better than monogamy. I'm saying that the programming that leads us to monogamy only for sure doesn't work with non-monogamy. So we have to break that down. If you want to be open or consider ethical non-monogamy, absolutely. You have to go through this, but if you want more intimacy and, you know, more sexual well-being and and more connection and more connection to yourself in a monogamous relationship, you also have to break free from monogamy. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. also have to break free from that programming that tells you this is how to have a good relationship because nine times out of 10, those things set us up for failure and disappointment because they're not realistic expectations. And I think, was it you? No, it was the last um, podcast that the last interview she was saying, you know, obligation and expectation are the biggest Mm -hmm. killers of relationships. And uh, 
acquiring wealth and, and, you know, financial freedom. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about sex and Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, to piggyback off of talking about expectations, and this is what I've learned in some of my training, this phrase that expectations are premeditated resentments. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's deep. Expectations are premeditated resentments. So if I have these expectations and I'm not communicating them, and this isn't an agreed upon expectation between all parties involved, and it's not going to get met, well, I guess I just get to resent you and be angry at you for not having all of that. And, you know, it's kind of like really um, interesting how that plays out because how can you be angry um, at someone else for doing something when you never actually communicated that expectation or it didn't get communicated clearly or the other person didn't agree to that expectation? Do you really have the right to be angry and resentful? So I like that phrase, expectations are premeditated resentments. Oh, that's so good. Because like often when we get married, we just get married with hope that these things will happen, but we've never actually talked about it. Like, no, we've not talked about most of those things yet. Again, we have all these expectations that are just programmed into us. And, and because we have this default program and we're not even thinking about it, it's so subconscious Mm -hmm. that we just assume that their programming is the same. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways it is, but your attachment style determines what parts of of the subconscious beliefs and programming you you actually want to tap into. Right. 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 So and so then to be aware of what the actual programming is and then aware of how your upbringing and your attachment styles affect the way you see that and how you create the story around it mm-hmm. then frees you to be consciously the designer of your relationship and mm-hmm. the designer of your relationship style and your sexuality and all these things are just open to being custom made for you right yeah, the relationship, and and I think that that's so important to yeah, recognize I, that everybody gets to have something different. Yes, I I love that so much that you're bringing that up, and that's resonating so much with me and kind of what you were talking about earlier. Because I had this thought um, today of like, I'm not this person saying like, oh, you know non-monogamy is just on a pedestal and monogamy just sucks or like you know you should do it this way and monogamy Mm. is bad i'm that's not what i'm promoting i'm promoting to have you look at your own inner self Mm. your own inner desires your own needs and find a way that you can be vulnerable and communicate that not only to yourself but to others around you and if that desire is to be monogamous super if that desire is is to be non-monogamous amazing let's talk about how to like create that beautiful relationship that can be possible but we have to have these conversations and be honest with ourselves and others and would you agree that most people struggle to have the conversation with themselves first Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like shame and guilt surrounds our desires in some way, shape or form. You know, Mm -hmm. like if you have this sexual desire, ooh, shame comes up and it's like, well, I shouldn't want that. Or Mm -hmm. if I 
if I want more physical touch, well, you know, you're too much or you, you shouldn't yeah. need that, you know, and there's yeah. again, shame that comes into that. So you can't actually be honest with your own desires and fantasies because somewhere in there, the programming is getting in the way and saying, well, you shouldn't want that. You shouldn't need that. You're not strong enough if you need those things. So mm-hmm. pipe down, mm-hmm. keep that to yourself and just mm-hmm. go with the status quo. Just mm-hmm. stay in that box and don't rock the boat. Yes. And make sure that if your partner is comfortable and they feel good, then they're just going to stick around and it's going to be fine. But mm. if you open your mouth and really think through these things and and make any of that known, you're going to rock the boat and you're going to lose everything that you have. Yeah, that's the fear. Right? But what we don't realize is that the other person is dealing with the same fucking thing. <laughs> Yes. And they're trying to not rock the boat too and just live with this. And they're living a fraction of their authenticity. You're living a fraction of yours. And if you could both just actually share what it is that you both desire, you could both go, oh, well, I want some of that too. And oh, well, I want some of that. And oh, maybe we can like, we'd come together in, in a much more authentic, real way. Yeah. And we could come to agreements that suit both of us rather than both living in this pretend world mm-hmm. because we don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. That's all we're saying. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we're saying. No biggie. Just go ahead. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> oh. And. I think that's such the the big message and, and why I love um, Brene Brown's work so much is she's really found the key to wholehearted living and it's being vulnerable. And that means with yourself too, mm-hmm. identifying those desires and being able to, you know, really look inwards and not let that outward messaging tell you or dismiss mm-hmm. those things that, that you actually want or need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah not to push those things away because of shame, which is why shame is tied into vulnerability, right? Like shame will prevent us from vulnerability every single time. Yeah. And shame comes from everywhere. Shame comes from our upbringing. Shame comes from religion. Shame comes from society. Shame comes from within. It's it's like all tied up and it just pops up at all the worst times. Mm-hmm. And we'll just shut us down yeah, and say, nope, vulnerability is unsafe. Mm-hmm. Shame is here to protect you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I but won't it, get what I want if I'm vulnerable is yeah. the message we're told. Yeah. Or vulnerability is weakness because you just got to suck it up and get through it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I'm loving this conversation. I get fired <laughs> up about attachment. So... <laughs> I am here for it. Right? There's just so much. There's so much. Um, uh, Have you, are you familiar with Dr. Jolie Hamilton's work? No. Educate me. All right. She is a jealousy researcher and she is non-monogamous. I know. So I think uh, episode 26, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Is the one, anyways, you can look through my episodes, but I have a conversation with her, but she's got an amazing um, Instagram and I love her stuff, but she, she does talk about jealousy, like the triangle. And so it's you and the person and then the perceived interrupter 
which yeah. in non-monogamy, the perceived interrupter could be another person, another relationship, or like you said, it could be someone else's job or their hobbies or their friends or whatever. It's anything that gets can possibly interrupt you. Um, but yeah, look up her stuff because she talks about jealousy is like salt. Mm-hmm. And so too much salt can spoil the meal. Mm. But a little bit can, you know, flavor and enhance the meal. So yeah. we're never going to get rid of jealousy altogether. It's it's natural. We always have this fear, but we get to take a look at it. We get to work through it and figure out where it's coming from and what our body, how our body's reacting to it and what we actually fear in it and don't let it control us and, you know, like sabotage everything. Mm-hmm. But we can go, ooh, that little bit of jealousy, if we don't shame it right away, we can be like, oh, it's a little bit of salt. Like it's, it's, it means I really, I care and, and I want this relationship and I don't want to lose it. So mm-hmm. let me take that positive side of jealousy, put the shame away of it and be like, oh, I can't be jealous, can't be jealous, can't be jealous. Mm-hmm. And just actually like, let's just investigate it now that there's no shame against that jealousy. It's yeah. something that's happening and that's natural and normal. Um, but we don't have to give in to the jealousy to protect ourselves. Yes. And that's what we all have been taught, you know, is that, oh my gosh, like I just think of how many people are like, oh, they look at my man, I'm going to like, you know. And, and Crimes of passion happen like out of jealousy. So crazy. And it's tied into this ownership. Yes. Right. And like, if you're married to someone, they own you and you own them. And that's not a very good feeling, you know? And I, I talk about how my boyfriend and I, we choose each other every day. Like he doesn't own me. I don't own him. Mm-mm. Any day we could decide to not be together. We're not married, right? Like, so there's that, mm-hmm. that freedom still of not having that contract. Um, but the beauty of that is that each day we consciously choose each other right. and we choose to love each other and we choose to input into each other's life and to, you know, value what they enjoy and what they desire and talk about those things. So the jealousy is not the same when when they're consciously choosing me every day. Mm-hmm. If I know if I think of it that mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. then why am Wait. I so afraid? If they're if they've proven they're consciously choosing me day yeah. in and day out, they don't have to stay. Why is jealousy going to get in the way? Mm-hmm. You know, we we always fear the unknown, and we yeah. put so much weight on the unknown, and then it determines how we react to things, yeah. and then yeah, we sabotage our own. The things we don't want become self-fulfilling prophecy because we're so mm-hmm. focused on that 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 yeah. yeah we become that's kind of a shitty see. partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you kind of like um, my own experience, like a, a huge difference in this relationship compared to um, my last is I actually recently had for the first time experienced a little bit of jealousy. Mm. And I was like, whoa, this is new. Um, I, I haven't felt this with, with you at all. This is, this is odd. And so it, it was over like, you know, when you, when you think about it, you're like, that's the silliest thing, Paige. Um, 
but it was born out of a fear from my last relationship. And so um, what what happened was, is my partner had a dream <laughs> and he had a dream of like, oh my gosh, like I ended up um, like in, in this situation where I felt really uncomfortable and someone was um, wanting to come on to me and I didn't want that. And all of a sudden, like I kind of like black out and see like, quote, green. And um, mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, um, I know my partner is telling me like, oh, they felt really uncomfortable in this situation. They're prioritizing me and that um, they're not interested in this other person. And again, this is all a dream. This is, <laughs> quote, a fake scenario. And so I have to do all of this reprogramming right then in the moment internally um, to like verbalize Ooh, I kind of got jealous in that moment. And it was the best thing. Um, he reassured me. He normalized my jealousy. And I kind of like told him the story that like came out of that because it's not born out of thin air. Our jealousy right. does not just like boop, show up. Um, I told him about like how things like that had happened frequently in my past relationship where they were actually interested um, in dreaming about other people. They were interested in opening up the relationship and um, wanting to explore non-monogamy, but it was not in a secure um, way with me. And so I was triggered right then and there in that moment, right back to my last relationship. And I'm like, oh, help me through this, babe. Mm -hmm. And he did. And it was great. And it was super, bam, normalized. And then we had a super great conversation about how jealousy shows up for each of us mm -hmm. and how we want to respond. And jealousy is there for a reason. And it can be so beautiful to talk about and help you um, grow in your relationships. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you don't mind, I would love to actually go back and talk about that experience because we did talk about it at the beginning before we started recording. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about how a lot of people will claim that they're polyamorous or they want to be in an open relationship or whatever, um, just and not for the right reason. So it's not ethical. And mm -hmm. I want to draw attention to the non-ethical side of wanting to open up your relationship. What yeah. what can be behind that? Because it's easy to go, oh, I'm not happy in my relationship and I want more. I want more sex and I kind of just want the safety of being in a relationship, but I don't want the responsibility of it. <laughs> so calling me out. Yeah. Hmm. You, it's like you have a magnifying glass on my last relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but this happens a lot and it happens a lot on, on dating sites and it gives non-monogamy a bad rap. Yes. And it gives men a bad rap. Yeah. And married men that are that are actually ethical, that are looking to have open relationships and connections with, with other women. And they have a very hard time finding connections because a lot of women are very weary of them not being truthful about, about it because a lot of people yeah. use, oh, I'm Polly and it's all good. When they have actually said, I just want my cake and eat it too, which you can absolutely have if you're yeah. honest <laughs> mm -hmm. and yeah. you, you understand yeah. and you're empathetic and kind and loving towards your partner yeah. or partners, mm -hmm. but to just be selfishly going, I don't want this responsibility. I just want to have sex with lots of people. So I'm going to call myself polyamorous mm -hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to shame my partner for not being accepting of who I am. Mm -hmm. in order to get what I want. 
that yeah. to me is not ethical. So yeah, talk me through how that made you feel because I believe that was your situation where you were the person who had to kind of just accept. Yeah. So so a lot of what you were saying was um, pretty accurate and and mirroring that experience. Like really, how it first happened is they they came to me and it and it was really a great way of opening up the conversation. It was mm-hmm. calm. It was while uh, we were in an environment where, you know, I was feeling um, at that time what I thought loved felt like. And so they came to me and said, I think I'm polyamorous. You know, um, I want to explore this. Is this something that you want to do, too? And that question, is this something you want to do, kept like getting asked to me. And I'm like, whoa, this is a lot to process. I know this is my experience in, in work, but I've never explored something like this in my personal relationship for a romantic relationship um, that's a serious commitment. And so I, I was kind of lost and confused in my own desires um, because really, if I'm being honest, until this relationship I'm in right now, I never took a look at what my desires were. I never took a look at what my needs were. And so I kind of just went along with it. I was like, all right, let's let's give it a go. Let's try it. Let's um, see what can happen of it. Um, I knew I had some interest and curiosities and um, certain dynamics. And so I was kind of excited for that. But I was also struggling with the other side of it where I felt very insecure. Um, and And I think that was also born out of not feeling secure in the relationship in general. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like I, I made the comment, what I thought feeling loved was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that does not equal feeling secure in a relationship. When you have you know, a partner that makes you feel less than, when you have a partner that um, is, is boasting about uh, other people and kind of like putting you down, like in a one down position and them on a pedestal, that doesn't create a sense of security in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it, it, you know, it was a really big struggle to try to navigate that because I took on, you know, me being this people pleaser, being this anxious attachment, I took on the brunt of, uh, like starting the whole process and engaging in it, being on the apps, talking to people, trying to like, actually, I was doing a lot of the work for that. I was doing a lot of the work on, um, Uh, navigating just all the emotional side of all of this, trying to do research on what boundaries look like, what boundaries I wanted. And when I finally presented them, none of them really worked for my partner and it was a really big struggle. Um, And so it it just really never came to fruition actually um, in that relationship. So uh, it was a struggle. And and I think a lot of people do get a, a bad rap for, Oh, I want to do this, but um, you know, I'll I'll keep my relationship, even though like, sure, they meet a lot of other needs. Um, but honestly, I could like take or leave them. Like, mm-hmm. I could act single and and not have them in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. Really, if you're if you're exploring polyamory or any other type of open dynamic to avoid being with the person you're with, that you shouldn't be in that relationship no. anymore. <laughs> Well, and I think you need to be honest with yourself about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of heartache would be saved if if people were more honest about that. But like uh, non-monogamy, and we'll we'll end shortly. But non non non-monogamy will not fix a relationship. 
Mm-mm. It will shine a light on all the the areas that you struggle with. And so you have to be prepared for that. And you have to be prepared to do the work that comes with that light shining on things. And if you're not wanting to see what's actually happening, don't go into ethical non-monogamy. Like that's mm-hmm. not going to be your place. You might uh, think that you're going to have fun and have sex with other people and and you know live some fantasies and escape. But if you use it as an escape, it's no different than using alcohol or drugs to escape your reality. You're going to hurt a lot of people along the way. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, to me, it's so important to do this work. That's why I have the kind of podcast that I have. I don't talk about all the sexual experiences and all that kind of stuff because that is a part of it. But if you're not willing to take a look at sort of your role in all of this and do some of your own healing and and look at things, you're going to struggle and you're going to be hurting your partner a lot of the time. Not to say that you always are, but you also, you have to be on the same page of what you want. Like if you, if you want to be in a partnership and you're both, you don't, you don't want or need much from someone and you're both on the same page that way, then you're going to create, be able to create a lot of attachments without any enmeshments and, mm-hmm. and be cool. And there's a lot of like um, solo poly people or um, relationship anarchists that operate that way, but they understand completely what they want and who they are. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not hiding the fact that they don't want a full-time nesting partner, you know, vulnerable relationship. That's not necessarily what they want. Not saying that um, solo poly or, or relationship anarchists can't have vulnerable relationships. That's not true at all. It's the different kind of enmeshment that you have. And yeah. so um, I think that we are taught as a, as a rule, if we could just narrow it down to kind of one thing, is that a relation, to have a successful relationship, monogamy teaches us that we need to be completely enmeshed with that person in order for it to be right. Yeah. And yeah. that means you give up yourself. Mm-hmm. That means you give up so much. I remember when um one of the girls at Bible school got married, she said that when she lit the unity candle that she was going to leave the two candles still burning so that all three were burning. And I was so like shocked by this and I was troubled by it thinking, Mm. how could you do that? You want to keep your own individuality and not like the point of getting married is to, you know, become one and not have your own individual individuality, you know? And that's the number one problem right there is that that's what we think we need to do. And in that enmeshment, in that becoming one, we think that that's going to be successful, but when we lose who we are and we forget what it is that we are at our core, resentment builds up and and mm-hmm. frustration. It, you can't help but have that. You don't just stop being who you are when you get married to someone else. And if you think that you will and you won't have any of the same desires you had before just because now you've signed a paper, then Mm -hmm. you're in for a real surprise and you're going to feel trapped and you're not going to feel free. But if Mm -hmm. you come at it with, I am still myself 
and you are still yourself and and the relationship has its own dynamic of the two of us being one but we don't give up who we are and we mm-hmm. lovingly and empathetically you know live or give to each other and and do things for each other without expectation that looks very different and then then you have a hope of happily ever after because that's what it's built on is on this beauty beautiful individual individual i can't even say the word individual authenticity being who you are because that's who you fell in love with is that other person you didn't mm-hmm. fall in love with you you know the, yeah. them as you so all of a sudden you get married and you want them to be more like you well you know like that that right there is saying i want them to change and they're not okay i just think it's important if we want to have happily ever after or have a hope of it that we do enter into these relationships where we are whole people Mm. and so that's why what we do is so important to have people really look at their self-worth and and their self-love and really get clarity on who they are what they want what their desires and fantasies are and in my program one of the biggest lines is there are no forbidden thoughts or desires Or emotions, if we want to say that. There's no Mm -hmm. forbidden emotions either, even Mm -hmm. jealousy. Mm -hmm. So when there's nothing forbidden, everything is possible. And there's no shame. Mm -hmm. Including foreboding joy. Because I think a lot of us do that. And... And especially in that anxious attachment stuff, or honestly, even fuck, we all do it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Foreboding joy, like we sabotage mm-hmm. the relationships, situations, whatever, because we think we don't deserve the joy. We think mm-hmm. that it's not possible, or or whatever. But I love what you're saying. Like there are no forbidden ones. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and we are taught right that life is a struggle. And we just have to, you know, we just have to do it. And like, if you're having joy about little things, I've had someone tell me this recently. You're not a child. I was so excited about shoes that I bought that I've been looking for for so long. And they're like, you're not a child. And they were laughing at how, how much joy I had for these little things. And I'm someone who Mm -hmm. has joy about little things all the time, but it really gave me insight into why someone I care about so much shuts down joy mm-hmm. in their life and mm-hmm. receiving joy because that was what they were told. And I thought, wow, how many of us have parents from that generation that, you know, it's like, this is my duty and this is what I have to do. And it doesn't matter what I want. You just do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I want more than that. I I want to enjoy this life. I don't want to sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> I want mm-hmm. to sleep and enjoy if I if I need to take a nap. I want to take care of myself and rejuvenate my energy if I need to and not feel shame about that because, you know, this has to be done first. Those things will wait. I am learning to um give myself kindness and grace when my brain is saturated with information and I can't produce and I can't be creative anymore. Mm -hmm. I give myself the grace to take a break 
And when I come back to it, I have so much more energy for things. The same thing is in relationship, right? If we take time to do the things that light us up and and gives us energy, then we come back to the relationship as just an energetically beautiful person and we start to magnetize beautiful things rather than being a drag on someone because we always want something from them or want more or want this and it's not right and we're judgy and we're just judging ourselves. And so then we just project it on other people because mm-hmm. we're like, if I can't give it to myself, I have to feel guilty about giving it to myself and you're not giving it to me, then I'm just mad at you. Yep. Yep. Well, I'll be excited about those shoes with you because oh, I know how good it feels after you've been searching for so long. So yay. They're they're shoes and they're sexy, but they're Ooh. naturalizer. So they're comfortable too. Oh, and good. I can wear them to the club to dance in and I can have a good time. Like that's a big deal. Yeah. Because I have very sensitive feet and <laughs> I also want to look sexy. So mm. <laughs> But I don't want to kill myself. So, yes, it was very exciting. And they were on clearance, which is even more exciting. So it was awesome. It was a good day. It was a good day to find those shoes. So, bah humbug, you go be a grump and you can judge me all you want. But I'm a child at heart and I will own it and I love it. Keeps me young. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most people don't think I'm the age that I am. So there you go. It's because I I must be your son. (laughs) I'm still a child. Yes. I, I relish in little things in life and you should too. (laughs) Yep. I agree. (laughs) I stand by that message. All right. Well, we probably should close this down a little bit for today. And, uh, before we go Paige, is there anything you want to add? And would you, do you have any links or anything that you want to share with us? And I can put them in the show notes. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say um, before I go telling people a little bit more about me and what I have to offer is um, in any relationship, I think this like one actionable tip that you can take away, um, whether you're from that secure place, avoidant place, anxious place, is to give the other person the benefit of the doubt, give them that generosity that whatever behavior they're doing they're not doing it out of malice to hurt you. Um, If you're in a relationship with someone, most likely you love each other. And so they don't want to cause you harm. And so if you act from that mindset of being generous that, oh, they did this thing, it brought this up in me, but I know they don't want to hurt me or I know they didn't want me to feel this way, then you're going to have a really great conversation about that afterwards instead of blowing up into a big fight. Mm -hmm. I'll leave with that. Amen. That's... Amazing advice. So true. I've seen that happen over and over again. Mm-hmm. And both mm-hmm. on both sides of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would love uh, if any listeners uh, liked what I talked about at all or wanted to just get on um, my list and hear from me more often about jealousy or non-monogamy. Um, I have this program called the Jealousy to Joy Journey, um, where I take you through the five C's and we run you through all the way from feeling chaotic and we get you down to compersion and non-monogamy. Um, so I have a freebie actually on my website. And if you go to www.pagebond.com, 
you can look at the freebies section and click on the jealousy workbook and you can instantly download um, immediately 10 ways to be able to calm your jealousy down. So I'll give you that link to have in the show notes for everybody. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes. Awesome. Well, Paige, it has been lovely chatting with you and um, hopefully we can chat some more in the future. I really, really have enjoyed this. So thank you for being here. Thank you for reaching out with excitement and booking right away. I really, I'm so glad you did. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Well, as I always say, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. I'll leave you with that. Have a wonderful day, Paige. And I love you. I have really enjoyed getting to know you. Have a great day. Ditto. You too. Thanks. Bye. Wow, 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 wow. What a fun, amazing, intelligent, insightful conversation. I love conversations like this. I hope you learned so much and got a real understanding of what attachment styles are. I think one of my favorite lines in this podcast is that expectations are premeditated resentments. Wow, that hit hard. Let me say that one more time. Expectations are premeditated resentments. If you unpack that a little bit, it's so true. We so often are programmed to have these expectations of our partners, of life, of family, of jobs, of businesses, everything, of sex. That's a huge one right there. We are programmed to have these expectations or something's not right. That's exactly a premeditated resentment because if we have an expectation that something is supposed to happen and if it doesn't happen, which it likely won't when we set ourselves up for failure in a lot of the things that we expect because they're not realistic, but we've been led to believe that they are, then we will obviously be disappointed and resent the person or the thing that's not meeting our needs. So this is such an important statement, and I want you to leave with that kind of in your minds and remember that if you remember nothing else. We talked about anxious attachments and, and being enmeshed, and I feel like connection instead of enmeshment is what we want to work towards, and that's not an easy journey. So join me in the Facebook group in the Breaking Free Authentically community, and let's talk about this. I want to hear what are some of the expectations that you have had that have led to resentments and disappointments? Because they're there. We all have them. So don't think that you don't have them. If you don't have any resentments, there's a chance that you're not human. So maybe have a look at that. <laughs> Anyways, I love you guys and I'm so happy to have you here. Don't forget to go take the quiz and find out what your relationship style is, what you are suited for. Just go find out if you have any crazy things that come up for you. It's just good to know. And then there is a workshop that you can 
have access to and find out a little bit more about those results. So I'm excited for you. Let me know what your results are. Let me know if you've taken the quiz. Literally, tell me in the Facebook group if you have taken this quiz or on Instagram, message me, whatever. Let me know. I'm very curious. Don't forget about my eight-week program. It is amazing. It's going to help you with just getting to know yourself and to stop resenting things and to stop being frustrated in life as to why you don't understand what it is that you want, why you don't understand why you're frustrated, knowing you want more but aren't sure if you're allowed to have it or if you're strange for wanting those things or if that makes you wrong. There's a lot of questions that might be going through your head. So don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Really look into it. I'm here for you. Reach out. We can book a session. You can work one-on-one with me. There's so many options. I want you to be free. I want you to live authentically. So when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. So let's go be authentic and sex positive and let's have fun. Have a great week. Love you. See you next week. Are you struggling with your sexual well-being? Are you often disappointed in your relationships? Do you have unrealistic expectations? Do you ever wonder if you are actually cut out for monogamy? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts. Did you know it's not your fault? That's right. You've been brainwashed since childhood with a series of beliefs about sexuality and relationships. We call this the mono mindset. Do you feel like you've been sold a fairy tale when it comes to sex and love? Why isn't it working? Why am I not fulfilled? Why am I not satisfied? Why do I have a deep longing for more? Shouldn't I be satisfied? Content? Just be grateful? Well, you aren't alone. If this resonates with you, you are ready for the Breaking Free from Monogamy 8-week program. In this 8-week program, you will learn how the mono mindset has set us up for failure in our relationships and in our emotional and sexual well-being. How the mono mindset keeps us from being truly authentic in our sexuality and relationships. How it keeps us small and gives us a false sense of security. Why we think of sexuality and anything related to sex as wrong or taboo. And how the mono mindset has invalidated your desires. Do you think to yourself, I want to fully enjoy my life and who I really am. I want real connections. I want to be able to be myself. I want to understand my body. I love who I am, but I don't seem to fit the mold. Maybe you've thought, I have always felt like a sexual deviant, but I'm actually a really good person. I don't understand. Well, many of my clients have said, Kareen, I didn't know I had choices. I thought monogamy was the only way to be happy and enjoy a fulfilling sex life. I thought that non-monogamy is for people that have commitment issues, and I thought it was just a way to legally cheat on your partner. I thought I was supposed to suppress my desires to have a successful relationship. But what if you could deconstruct the mindset that is holding you back from exploring other options? Well, you can in my eight-week Breaking Free from Monogamy program. Take your life back and become a master of healthy relating and sexuality. Lose the shame and guilt you've been programmed to feel in order to conform. It's not your fault. You weren't given a choice. Learn to love yourself and your desires. Discover what is natural and ethical. Breaking Free from Monogamy, an eight-week program shifting the mono mindset for greater intimacy and sexual well-being. 
Do you want to choose monogamy confidently or explore other healthy models? This program is for you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Corrine Bedard Coaching, and you can visit my website at CorrineBedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at BreakingFreeAuthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to kareen at kareenbedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Have a great week.